Previously used in mummification in ancient Egypt, this alcohol is now a standard ingredient in many household and industrial agents, such as windshield washer fluid, antifreeze, and perfumes. It can even be found in our favorite fruits, such as cherries and plums in low concentrations. If you are thinking of methanol, you're right. A colorless, volatile liquid with a distinctly sweet odor. Methanol is the simplest of the alcohols, as it consists only of a methyl group linked to a hydroxyl group. But don't be fooled. As little as 30 milliliters of this toxic alcohol can be lethal when ingested by humans. Today, our patient has methanol toxicity, and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast written by medical residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is entitled One Carbon, Two Few, An Approach to Methanol Toxicity. Time for our minute physiology. Methanol toxicity can occur through dermal absorption, ingestion, or inhalation. In hospitals, it is most often seen after intentional ingestion of windshield washer fluid or in children through accidental ingestions. A lethal dose of methanol ranges from 30 to 200 milliliters. It reaches peak concentration within minutes of absorption from the GI tract. To understand the mechanism behind our treatments, it is important to understand the metabolism of methanol. Methanol first undergoes oxidation via alcohol dehydrogenase in the gastric mucosa to produce formaldehyde. Formaldehyde is then oxidized via aldehyde dehydrogenase in the liver to produce the toxic metabolite formic acid and its unprotonated form, formate. Through oxidative stress, these toxic metabolites are responsible for retinal toxicity, which often presents as blurry vision or even blindness, as well as severe neurotoxicity causing seizure or coma. Alright, so now that we've talked about the basic physiology, let's talk about the approach. Toxic alcohols is a collective term that includes methanol, ethylene glycol, and isopropyl alcohol. A serum level of each of these alcohols can take hours to days to result, so it is important to be familiar with the products in which they are found. The first step in making the diagnosis is through a thorough history. This should include what was ingested, when, and how much. If possible, retrieve the original container to determine the exact nature of the exposure. Remember to ask about co-ingestions. If a patient presents in an altered state, collateral information should be sought from family, friends, or any witnesses. Poison centers should be involved early to assist with management. The presentation of methanol toxicity can vary depending on the time from ingestion. Early ingestions can present with inebriation, nausea, vomiting, or abdominal pain. In later presentations, toxicity may present with somnolence and stupor. Patients may also describe symptoms of retinal toxicity, including blurry vision. On physical exam, look for Kussmaul breathing, which may be a sign of severe acidosis. Findings specific to methanol toxicity can be found on fundoscopic exam. This includes an afferent pupillary defect, medriasis, and optic disc hyperemia. Additionally, patients may develop Parkinsonism, consistent with basal ganglia lesions seen on MRI. Remember that ingestion of methanol can be an intentional self-harm attempt. Although patients may not be forthcoming about this information, it should be explored when able to do so, as an appropriate psychiatric risk assessment should follow. Now on to the workup. 
When it comes to investigations, the osmolar and anion gap are two clues that your patient could be experiencing methanol toxicity. A patient presenting with an anion gap acidosis of unknown cause, especially in the setting of altered mental status, should always raise suspicion for methanol toxicity. However, it is important to note that acidosis can take up to 16 to 24 hours to develop as methanol is metabolized into its acidic metabolites. Elevated lactate may also contribute to the anion gap, as formate is an inhibitor of oxidative phosphorylation and induction of anaerobic metabolism. An even earlier sign of methanol toxicity is an elevated osmolar gap. Methanol is an osmotically active substance that will raise the osmolar gap early in ingestion. However, this gap will slowly close over time as methanol is broken down into formic acid, coupled with a concurrent rise in the anion gap. The osmolarity can be calculated using the formula 2 times sodium plus glucose plus urea plus 1.25 times ethanol. It is important to include ethanol in the calculation since it is also osmotically active and will falsely elevate the osmolar gap if not accounted for. The calculated osmolarity is then subtracted from the measured osmolarity. A positive osmolar gap is greater than 10 milliosmoles per kilo. A toxic alcohol panel should also be collected on presentation. However, depending on the facility, these results may not be readily available. A methanol concentration greater than 6.2 millimoles per liter is considered toxic. Remember that co-ingestions are common and therefore an ECG, basic metabolic panel, urine drug screen, salicylate, and acetaminophen levels should be ordered. An important thing to note. Not too long ago, we talked about the elevated osmolar gap converting over to an elevated anion gap. Remember that the absence of an osmolar gap does not rule out methanol toxicity, given that we may simply be seeing patients further on in their presentation. Okay, what about the treatment? When initiating management for methanol toxicity, always start with vital signs and your basic ABC approach. Methanol toxicity can cause obtundation and respiratory depression. Therefore, intubation may be required with severe poisoning. Hypotension may also be present due to the vasodilatory effects of methanol, as well as vomiting. When it comes to enteric decontamination, there is often little role due to the rapid absorption of methanol from the GI tract. The mainstay treatment for methanol toxicity is inhibition of alcohol dehydrogenase. Femepazole is a first-line medication that inhibits ADH and prevents the formation of methanol's toxic metabolites. Typical dosing is 15 mg per kilogram as the loading dose, 10 mg per kilogram as the maintenance every 12 hours up to 4 doses, and then 15 mg per kilogram every 12 hours until serum methanol concentration is below the toxic threshold. Ethanol, also a competitive antagonist of ADH, is an alternative treatment to femepazole. Although it is an inexpensive option, ethanol is less commonly used due to significant side effects including inebriation and the need for monitoring in the ICU. Sodium bicarbonate is often given to mitigate acidosis. This is done to prevent the protonation of formate to formic acid, which is more likely to penetrate end-organ tissues. Although there is no clear consensus on appropriate dosing, some studies suggest treatment with 1 to 2 milliequivalents per kilogram of sodium bicarbonate for a pH below 7.3. Always ensure there is no hypocalcemia before initiating bicarbonate therapy to prevent worsening acute hypocalcemia, which can precipitate arrhythmia. Intermittent hemodialysis is another treatment option that should be considered in consultation with nephrology. Methanol is a small molecule with a small volume of distribution and no protein binding, making it easily dialyzable. 
Indications for dialysis include a likely or confirmed poisoning in the setting of new neurologic or vision deficits, metabolic acidosis with pH less than 7.15 or anion gap greater than 24 millimoles per liter, a methanol concentration greater than 21 millimoles per liter with concurrent femepazole use, or greater than 15 millimoles per liter without femepazole, or evidence of renal dysfunction. The dialysis prescription should include a large surface area dialyzer. When deciding on the duration of dialysis, nomograms utilizing methanol concentration and gender are available to help determine the length of time needed for adequate removal. In general, dialysis should continue until levels are below 5 millimoles per liter and the acid-based disturbance has been corrected. Because femepazole is also dialyzable, its dosing frequency should be increased to every 4 hours during hemodialysis. An additional dose should be given at the beginning of hemodialysis if 6 or more hours have elapsed since the dose prior. Patients may present with hemodynamic instability, which can be a contraindication to hemodialysis. CRRT, or Continuous Renal Replacement Therapy, has also been used in methanol toxicity. Although its clearance is much less effective, it may offer some advantages over no extracorporeal removal at all. The risks and benefits of CRRT with reduced clearance compared to HD should be carefully weighed. The rapid correction of acidemia may improve systemic blood pressure and hemodynamics with conventional hemodialysis. When discontinuing dialysis, continue monitoring for rebound effect with periodic methanol levels as cases have been reported in the literature. Lastly, all patients should receive treatment with leucovorin or folic acid, which are cofactors in the end metabolism of formate, ultimately helping to enhance clearance. Supplemental thiamine and peroxidine are also routinely given. Okay, time for our medicine minute. Did you know that during the COVID-19 pandemic, there was a global shortage of alcohol-based hand sanitizer? This led to the use of methanol as a replacement ingredient and a subsequent rise in the rates of methanol toxicity from toxic ingestions. That's all for today. Thank you for listening to today's episode entitled One Carbon, Two Q, An Approach to Methanol Toxicity. This episode was written by Dr. Sarah Hammond, internal medicine resident, and reviewed by Dr. Marco Skritik, nephrologist, and Dr. Zijing Wu, general internist. The Internet Work Series is created by Allison Lai and is executively managed by Zara Morali and Leah Kirianopoulos. This episode was recorded and produced by Leah Kirianopoulos. Theme music by Lack from Vicentamoa. If you like this episode, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to check out www.theinternetwork.com for associated resources and infographics. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.